Hey guys, Josh Kalinowski back at you. Hey, listen, we've got an amazing podcast for you today. Um, gentleman named John Ramstead. Uh, he is a, uh, a former Navy pilot, uh, was with Top Gun, and uh, he had some just unbelievable tragedy happen in his life uh, that not only ended his career, but nearly ended his life. And, uh, you know, today we're going to dive deep into really what that looked like. Um, you know, I mean, it's, uh, gosh, it was a, it was a, uh, an amazing conversation with John. Um, he really was able to reveal, uh, the things that were, uh, important in his life. The, um, the unabashed feelings and emotions that he went through, uh, but also the greater purpose that he has found through this. And I will tell you, you know, it's really easy to say, uh, you know, I had a setback, I had a failure, and then I was able to find something great that happened from it. But when you go through the amount of pain and anguish and setbacks, um, and things that were just ripped away from his life, just, and it was relentless. It was time and time and time again, but for him to be able to go through all of that and have an amazing outlook on life and having a positive outlook. And he's impacting so many men and women to this day. Uh, you will be inspired. I'm going to just give you a heads up. We're going to talk about faith because that was, that is the instrument that he used. That's the key for his foundation to go through all of these challenges. So you're going to hear a tremendous amount about that. Uh, but I really encourage you, uh, to, to listen to this. It's a long episode, uh, but I promise you it's going to go by super fast. Uh, so without further delay, this is my podcast with my man, John Ramstead. Hey guys, you're listening to the JK Experience, where we train leaders to live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. got into the air force um like tell me a little navy. bit of that or the navy. navy sorry the navy uh tell me yep. about that like you, you graduated high school and then and then what i mean did you know that that was something that you were going to pursue i applied to get into the naval academy and that was my f sole focus i knew my dad had been a uh um, combat air crewman and, and tail gunner in world war ii he, he uh volunteered when he was 17 he wanted to go fight this is back in uh, the uh, April 44. The war hadn't ended yet, still going on. So he got in the very tail end. My grandpa had immigrated here from uh, Norway in 1912. And five years later, um, this always just struck me, he volunteered to fight for the U.S. and in, in the Army in World War I. Wow. He was in every battle. Think about that. You're a new country. You just come over here. Just You're just... He can barely, like, he's still learning English. Uh -huh. so that just always impressed me. Both my uncles fought in Vietnam, one in the Marines, one in the, the Army. And I don't, I don't know, just something about all that, just like, like and I, so I just loved studying history, the Battle of the Atlantic, the submarine warfare, the Battle, uh, the Battle of Britain, the air warfare. So hmm. um, I got into the Naval Academy and then... Um, but decided I also got a ROTC scholarship. So I decided I was going to go ROTC. So why the, why the Navy? Well, you know, I was fascinated with both um, submarines 
because I, you know, I ended up getting a degree in electrical engineering. Okay. I just thought submarine warfare looked fascinating. Okay. But also aviation, and I'm like, you know, if I'm going to fly, I'm going to do it with the best. And there's nothing better than the guys that have to land on an aircraft carrier. Okay. So if I am going to do it, I'm. I never even considered the Air Force. I was never even remotely interested. Like, I never even considered it. Really. Yeah. And then neither. I don't know. Like, I was like, like it was like. Uh, uh, my singular focus mm-hmm. applying for ROTC and Naval Academy in high school. I went to an all boys military Catholic high school. So it was junior army ROTC. Okay. So uh, I, 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 I've kind of been focused on the military for yeah. a very long time. And where was that at? Ooh, let me turn this up. Hold on a second. All of a sudden my, here, say something again. Uh, where, where was that at? Oh, there we go. I went, uh, Razi, you mean? Yeah. I went to uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI in upstate New York. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how the heck did you land up all the way in Colorado? I mean, I know that's obviously a long story right there, but I mean, like, it sounds like you have oh a Oh my gosh, long story. The... So long career in the Navy. I get out in San Diego. Um, a buddy of mine from, I grew up in Minnesota, said, hey, I'm starting a company. Come build it with me. Mm-hmm tech company. So I did a tech startup, did three of those, but as a tech entrepreneur, like working 80, 90 hours a week, it was nuts. I get a call one day from the recruiter who was helping me, you know, build my team. Um, I don't know. I I think I had about 60 employees at the time said, Hey, uh, I know things are going awesome, but can I run something by you? I'm like, what is it? He's like, well, this wall street firm's hiring and they'd look for guys like you with your background and you'd be a great fit. It turned out to be a job where I didn't have to travel. And uh, it was a it was like a Goldman Sachs. It's called Alliance Bernstein, just working with high net worth clients and business owners. So I actually made the switch over to Wall Street, had a phenomenal career. Hmm. And my our CEO called me from New York City and said, Hey John, um, it's a multi-billion dollar company. So, you know, and Tom called me. I'm like, whoa. He's like, Hey, uh, we'd really like you to move to Colorado. We were just talking about it in the management meeting and we want to promote you and have you take over our Colorado office because it just hasn't gotten a lot of traction. And we really think you could make a difference out there. Wow. So we'll leave it totally up to you. This is the spring of 2008, by the way, Josh. Okay. I was going to say, give me time on this. Yeah. Spring of 2008. I'm like, so we thought about it, prayed about it. And then like, we just felt it was confirmed. Now here's what happened is they paid for my move. They guaranteed the price of my house. And because my, what I got paid was based on the production of my team mm-hmm. and what else I did myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew this was going to be a transition. They, they said, Hey, what you got paid in 2007 and the first part of 2008, we're going to guarantee that for 18 months. Wow. So I move out here in July of 2008 and then the s- storm hits, right? The, yeah. the, I mean, like we get bullseyed and I, my income was guaranteed my house didn't sell for six months and it sold. It was underwater when it sold, but they made me whole because that was part of, I mean, like part of the package. Look at God did there. It was pretty yeah. amazing. And then what uh, I was able to manage from a place of, you know, financial security and just focus on my team and on what we did. And we got back to profitability by the um, summer of 2009 our office. We're wow. the first office to get back in the black. Wow. 
Yeah. And then uh, two years later, I'm like, I've just the whole corporate side of things going from one fortune 100 company to another. I'm like, I need to go build something again. And so I actually left Bernstein. They were pretty shocked, but to go build, start a company with a friend of mine. Um, and it was five months after I made that transition that I had my accident. Hmm. So that was, that was, that was, uh, not the best timing, but everything well, all does work together. What were you trying to build at that time? It was a company uh, that ended up, it's still there. It's named Bridge Financial. We were going to yeah. do um, life insurance, tax planning, uh, employee benefits, and um, uh, cash management. Uh, we were really wanted to do uh, really all the risk management around uh, small to medium-sized businesses. Mm-hmm. So my background was um, in insurance and financial management, um, asset management. Uh, we had somebody on the team who is CPA who was going to do all the tax planning. So we were, we all had really robust networks. So we're like, hey, let's go build something. Mm-hmm. We had another guy that uh, that um, didn't join after I got hurt, but he was going to build and run out the employee benefits. Okay. Uh, but no, they're still operating and they're they're crushing it. They've really focused on uh, life insurance and um, asset management for companies. You know buy-sell agreements, um, you know, from that to like personal, uh, really it's uh, not just life insurance, it's really estate planning is okay. what they do for business owners. Is there a reason, yeah. is there a reason why you didn't go back into that after the surgery or after all of the surgeries, but after the well, accident? Well, after the accident, after uh, two years in the hospital, I had such a severe traumatic brain injury. Uh-huh. So I finally get discharged uh, from Craig Hospital after 20 months. And um, I, I tried to go back for almost six or seven months. Wow. I, I could only work right. maybe um, six to eight hours a week. I mean, I would, my wife would have to drive me down there. I'd come in on a Tuesday morning and get in around nine. And by noon, she'd have to come pick me up. I was just done. Just when you have a head injury that severe, what happens is just even having a conversation like this, the, the way that the doctor described it to me, he said, John, it's like you put brand new batteries in a flashlight, you know, and you got a nice strong beam. You can use it for camping all summer, mm-hmm. but he goes, you got a short in your flashlight. So you put a nice strong battery in there. And by the end of the day, it's just dim mm-hmm. because the brain is using so much more energy because mm-hmm. it's not efficient because of the damage. Mm-hmm. So like, I would, I, you know, we'd sit here and I'd have a couple conversations and I'd literally, I could work on three hours on a Tuesday and I would sleep from when my mo- wife got me home Tuesday afternoon and I'd sleep all day Wednesday. And then I'd go back in for three hours Thursday and that's all I could do. And I got to tell you, I, I wasn't very good. Yeah. Wow. I would just sit here and stare at my screen. I'd try to answer emails. I was Man. in meetings. I was still they had to teach me the 20 months at Craig hospital, uh, Josh, how to speak again. I I couldn't put together a coherent sentence. I would word find, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd be trying to talk to you, um, you know, about, uh, trout fishing and how you threw that, you know, the third hoop and you'd be like, what, what? And like, like, that didn't, and I, in my head, I didn't know that I wasn't talking about, Hey, did you get the third strike in the, you know, in the inning, right. To me internally. And then people are looking at me like, 
And, and so I knew the only time that I ever would, uh, I had to be very careful managing my energy, especially, well, I got, I'll never forget, like, it became pretty clear after six months, they were paying me, I think 5,000 a month, we kind of agreed on to see if this would work. And I was like 5,000 a month on like, you know, four to eight hours worth of work. And it became pretty clear that I'd, I hated feeling like I was a charity case. Yeah. I knew I, I was, I was supposed to be in the CEO role. I knew that I didn't even know if that, I was told as I was transitioning out of Craig hospital by um, my doctor there, here's what he said to my wife. And he goes, listen, just to set expectations with, you know, where John is and all he does is work with brain injury is I don't know if John will even ever be able to like have a job as a greeter at Walmart. Wow. I mean, that's so how is this a, that, So that's a private conversation he had with your wife? Me and my a, wife, yeah. You were, you were there too, though. Hmm. Yeah, I, no, I was there too. He hmm. shared it with both of us. He goes, you know, John just doesn't have the, he can't hold attention. He doesn't think the way he used to think. Now I can recover. Brains recover very slowly. All kinds of different things can happen, but I'm getting back into business and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is real. Like, you know what, when you're in uh, a recovery and I don't know what it's like for athletes like yourself, but they, they always talked about, Hey, the new normal I had to get, right. I had to understand, connect to, and, and start to come to grips with my new normal. Mm -hmm. And I hated the term. And I, my, my entire, my mindset was, no, I'm not going to have a new normal. It's going to be the same. And then it became very clear after mm, a couple of years that, that then there is a new normal and it's very different from the old normal. Even to this day, it's nine years post-accident. I am still, there's things that are much harder for me to do today than there was even nine years ago. Like, I, like, um, it's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing. Like, uh, I had a big motor cause you know, I'm I, like, I'm missing on a couple cylinders, but you know, <laughs> I still got some horsepower in there somewhere. So, <laughs> uh, man, I appreciate the insight on all this. Uh, you know, that's really, you know, I've listened to a number of your podcasts, ones that you've given. And then of course, obviously your personal podcast. So, uh, really been trying to just figure out this timeline, uh, of when obviously you were in the Navy and then of course the softball accident and then the big, and then the big accident. So that really was, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I've never heard it quite uh, explained that way. So that really helped give a little bit more depth to this. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. My pleasure. Um, quite the journey. Oh man, seriously. I, I, I'm really excited. I've got a ton of, uh, as I was thinking about it this morning, of course, obviously we've, we've tried to, uh, uh, connect here a couple of times. I was just kind of thinking like every time I listen to another one of those podcasts or revisit the podcast, it's always, it's just opening up more questions or just different angles that I want to go down. And so, uh, I'm really excited to see where, um, you know, God, God, uh, opens my heart for questions with you and, and where he opens your heart to answer them and, and what, uh, what road we take today. So looking sure. forward to this. Um, so really on, so very easy on this podcast. Uh, I'm not going to do an intro cause I'll do that afterwards after we have our conversation. Um, and honestly it's anywhere between, you know, we could be 30 minutes, we could be 60 minutes, however much time is, allows for you. And then I'll just either cut it into two or, uh, or depending on, uh, you know, how it goes and I want to keep it into one, we'll, we'll keep it longer too. So, uh, I'll be very respectful of your time as well. So just let me know and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up when we need to there. All right. You got it. Sound good. 
All right. Um, so, you know, one of the things that as I was doing a ton of research uh, on you and, and uh, I listened to you, I was listening to Carrie uh, uh, Newhoff's uh, podcast with you on there. That's really the inspiration that uh, uh, I got to not only reach out to you, but also to, to leave a review for Carrie. I've been listening to him for uh, uh, almost a couple of years now, and I've just never... I've never taken taken that initiative, but it was it was until I uh, listened to your podcast that I said I just got to do this because it really hands down was one of the most impactful uh, podcasts that I've listened to, and I've listened to a few uh, over the last couple of years. So uh, I just want to tell you I really appreciate um, you know one first of all your honesty, but also just that journey uh, and your perspective you've been able to come fr- you've been able to get from that journey. Um, maybe you can just share really quick, uh, with our audience here, uh, just a little bit about, you know, obviously you were, um, a Navy fighter pilot, uh, with Top Gun, uh, you, uh, you had an injury, a softball injury that, that derailed that, uh, but then you had a very significant surgery, um, years later that is really, I mean, that could have really just derailed your life. Um, and, but through that, you not only discovered a deeper and greater faith, uh, but you also discovered that that truer purpose and that truer um, belief in yourself and what you were really created to do. Because I think at one point, even as you were uh, even as you were going on your journey as a Navy fighter pilot, you were still kind of questioning as like, is is this what I'm meant to do? Is there something even greater that I'm supposed to to uh, to be doing in my life? Uh, just share with our audience a little bit of that journey there of the of when you were at your height, your peak, and then what happened from there. Well, if I, you know, if I go back to the Navy times, maybe we, we, we kind of start there because, yeah. uh, Josh, when I was in college, I was in, I graduated in 1988. So Top Gun comes out in 1986. Wow. Right. And I'll never forget this though. This, this was actually quite a moment for me. Um, I went and saw the movie with my girlfriend, 1986. I'm about to be a junior in college in ROTC. And this is junior year is the year you put in what you're, what's called your uh, selection seat. Like I want to go aviation or uh, subs or nuclear program or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Top Gun and like, I was blown away. I'm like, my first thought was like, whoa, I might get to do that. By the end of the movie, dude, I was totally like I walked out of that movie with a probably a different response than everybody else who was in the theater. And I felt like my dream just got uh, crushed because hmm. I watched that and kind of where I was just my self image and how I viewed myself and my skills. I'm like, I could never do that. Wow. So I get back to my unit and I'm like, and they give me my selection seat and I put down submarines. I put down surface I put down intelligence and that was it. I didn't I didn't even put aviation on the sheet. Really? And uh and I gotta tell you, like I felt like I'd given up on myself, but I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I'm not gonna go into a situation where I could fail, I could embarrass myself, yeah. right? I'd waste I'd I I'd you know, uh what would people say if I go and I, I don't make it? Hmm. And so then I actually got I so I, I was on the track to do submarines and I got a submarine cruise and I spent like a month and a half on submarines in college between my, before my senior year. I'm like, what was I thinking? This is not for me. (laughs) But you get to one of those points. You're like, okay, I, this is a big inflection point. And I think a lot of us are faced with this, right? I can stay on this one path where I know that I can do well. 
I know that I'm competent and I can have success, but I know it's not a place where I'm going to thrive or really accomplish things that are meaningful to me. It's the safe road. And do the, the other road feels like it's very risky mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if I can, can succeed, but it's what's on my heart. And do I bet on myself? Now, at this time in my life, I was, you know, I grew up in the church, but this wasn't, you know, my, the faith life wasn't a huge part of, uh, you know, in college for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And, um, and he says, you know, and then he goes, I think you should do, do what's most important to you. And you know what that was? That was actually uh, to pursue aviation. So I go back to my unit and I had missed every deadline. And they're like, no, nope, sorry, doors closed. Mm-hmm. One guy, my class officer goes, John, I think there might be a way. And he took his time weekends, evenings and helped me put together my package and actually what the Navy calls hand walk it, like go drive down to the recruiting center and hand them this go. Like I had to do everything manually hmm. and I ended up getting orders to go to flight school. Wow. And, uh, his Daryl was his name. Um, Lieutenant Daryl, he was actually, uh, in my wedding. That's how close we became back then. Oh. Now think about this though. Now, we were, we were told by senior year, I'm like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Uh, somebody comes in and goes, hey, listen, just so y'all know, any of you guys go in aviation, this stupid movie, well, the Navy loved it, but there's like yeah. for everybody that applies to get into aviation now, we yeah. got all, you know, this program, this program, this program, you know, there was a lot of money, you know, Reagan had been building things up. Yeah. Uh, Bush continued it. Out of every 10,000 people applying for flight school, one person's going to get to fly a fighter. I'm like, oh man, yeah. like my best friend, you know, growing up, my friend's dad died in a helicopter crash in the military. I'm like, you know, and the Navy flies a lot of helicopters and cargo planes, by the way, it's not a lot. Carrier aviation is a very small piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. Um, uh, well, I don't know if you have any questions, but I can tell you like I, one of the most uh, impactful conversations I ha- ever have with my dad when I was, he- when I was heading down to flight school all of those doubts and, and fears of failure and, you know, in, in um, uh, making a bad decision. And can I do this? Were like just flooding into my head as like the date to report down at Pensacola Naval air station in Florida mm-hmm. was coming close And my dad. I was sitting there sharing this with my dad. He and I were always very close. And he goes, well, he goes, he said, John, just do this. When you get down there, there's going to be somebody who's down there in flight school who everybody else is talking about. Mm-hmm right? The ace of the base. He's going to be in a student. Like think about when you played ball, right? Like, and I told my son this, like there's a guy on his team who just got a D one scholarship. Who's uh, smaller than Matthew. He's 18. He's pitching 93 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Like my advice to Matthew was go tell him how he trained. How did he do that? How did he get there? Cause that's what my dad told me to do is, well, I get down to Pensacola and it's this guy named John Foster. And he's, he's ahead of me and by a number of classes. So we're not competing. And I said, John, could you, would you mind, like, could I buy you a beer? Could you tell me like what you're doing and how you're preparing? I got to tell you, Josh, he had an approach that was totally counterintuitive to me, not how anybody else was preparing. And he was number one by far. Mm -hmm. Like everybody was talking about this guy and he, and I, and he started mentoring me and I started, we started training together and he started showing me what he did. And I put in the extra time and, Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, uh, with his mentorship, I ended up in my entire class, not, not only just graduating number one in my class, 
but I graduated uh, number one in the country. I got the Chief of Naval Education Training Award that was across aviation, surface, and submarine. Wow. Because I, because my dad's advice to go find somebody, figure out what they did, and then be willing to put in the work. Yeah. Now, here's the thing that I found curious. I shared with people in my class and my friends, because it's like this weird place, because, you know, it's life and death, right? There's, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of funerals in that part of my life, right? It's a very dangerous profession. Mm-hmm. So we were always trying to help each other out, even though we were competing. Mm -hmm. And none of my friends were willing to really change their habits or meet, you know, go study with John and I or put extra time in the simulator. And I always thought that was really interesting for people that had these professed goals and talked about it all the time. But when somebody shows them, here's what it takes to get there, then they weren't willing to put in the work. Yeah. And I, that kind of always struck me as, as interesting, but I just, it, even me, for me, I'm like, well, I'm not going to be that guy. Somebody shows me the way and I'm willing to put in the work. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to follow that path. You shared uh, the, uh, you actually shared one of the, the ways that you did this. It was with those cue cards uh, on carries. <laughs> yeah. Would you just share with the audience really quick? Cause I just thought it was brilliant. In fact, I came back and, and shared that with a lot of our leadership uh, because we train a lot of entrepreneurs and it's just like, Hey, this could be a really great way to do this. This is a great little hack. So I'd love our audience to know exactly what one of the, one of the things that you did, obviously you did, a, you did a multitude of other things, but this was a really great, uh, hack that you did with these cue cards. Well, yeah, I think, so here's what John said. It's not the best pilots that graduate number one. It's the best students. Now mm-hmm. think about in a cockpit, flying a plane, they are, they're trying to induce stress, mm-hmm. right? They're changing things. They're throwing emergencies at you in the middle of trying to do a, a complex like formation maneuver. They're going to start quizzing you on the hydraulic system. I mean, these guys, right? They, this is what they do. And uh, you have to, while you're doing something physical, have instant recall of all this information. So John goes, uh, hey, John, do you know how to juggle? I'm like, actually, yeah, I had to learn how to juggle in high school in my public speaking course. He goes, great. He goes, show me. So I start juggling and then he starts quizzing me with his own cards. He goes, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go make your own cards, get a three by five card. And I want you to write down one card, anything that you might possibly need to know, an emergency procedure, the hydraulic pressure here, the, you know, whatever it happens to be. And I had a stack, I don't know, like a thousand cards. And I broke them up into, into chunks of a hundred. And what I do is I either had my girlfriend at the time, she'd been my wife for 30 years now, or my roommate, I would be juggling. Um, or we'd go outside and I'd hit a tennis ball as fast as I could against the uh, garage door Mm -hmm. and they'd quiz me. And if I got one wrong, what John says, you got to redo the whole deck. I'm like, Oh, what if I know the other 99? (laughs) I don't care. Yeah. So all of a sudden, guess what? Uh, You know, we're flying along and I'm doing something complex and you just start like, Hey, right engine fire. What do you do? I'm like, Oh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm rattling off the procedures as I'm doing the maneuver because it's all right there. I'm not like processing. And it just, uh, that just differentiated me. And then all of a sudden what happened, Josh, I started building a reputation with instructors. And then what happened is, uh, then you start to get the benefit of the doubt because they know you're solid and they know you've put in work that other people haven't. Yeah. And I, and you know, all of a sudden, like then, uh, I get number one and then I'm like, okay, I'm above the jet cutoff. And then they're like, no, you get, where do you want to go? You get to choose. Number one gets to choose. I'm like, wow, is that a real thing? They're like, yep, it's a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's awesome, yeah. man. Um, I know that, uh, I mean, uh, if this was a fairy tale ending and story, obviously we wouldn't have anything meaningful to talk about, to be honest with you, after this. But we know that obviously you had some tragedy happen and some setbacks that, uh, once again, as we talked about, really, um, you know, at, a, at, some, at some point or another derailed where you thought life was going was gonna to go with you. So I'd really like to talk to you about uh, just really quick that just the softball accident that um, really was the pivotal, the, the very start of the pivoting for you. Um, you, get, uh, you get called to Top Gun. You have the softball injury, um, and just explain to the people exactly what you got hit in the eye, um, and then what to what degree was that softball injury to you? Oh my gosh, it it changed everything. Mm-hmm. It ripped everything away from me. Oh. So think about this, everybody listening. I get uh, imagine you get uh, called down to your commanding officer's stateroom, and which is never good. It's like getting sent to the principal. Like you're like, uh oh, yeah. Um, the sit down was John, we've selected you to go to Top Gun. You're going to represent our air wing. I'm like, dude, like I was, I was floating on air. I was, I, I, I don't think I'd ever been more excited. Mm-hmm. And then the next weekend I'm playing softball on our squadron team. And I hear look out, boom. And a line freak line drive just drilled me in the eye. And I had an orbital blowout fracture and I had nerve damage in my eye mm-hmm. and I had double vision and they tried to, helped me and rehab me for almost six months. And they basically said, you're not going to get your medical back. So, um, you're, we're going to process you out. So January 1st, January, actually second, 1995, I'm discharged from the Navy. Now imagine this, right? A a dream that's been like this in my heart since a little kid, Mm -hmm. my identity, Josh was as a fighter pilot, as a Naval officer, as a, as I was also, you know, a division officer in the squadron. I mean, it was who I was. It was where I got my, my accolades, my pride, my affirmations from my friends and family, and it's all gone. And when you, when your identity is completely external, and that's also like a dream that you've held on and worked and put everything into. And then think about this, like I was sitting there and the only job I could get was in sales. I was an engineer who'd never engineered anything. So engineering jobs were hard to get. I was a pilot who couldn't fly. So I'm selling cell phones. I'm literally going door to door in a neighborhood by Miramar, Mm -hmm. knocking on doors, hoping somebody's home so I could sell them a phone so I could pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And the sounds of my dreams are flying over my head to come in to Miramar. And I got to tell you that that was probably one of the lowest points in my life, man. I was absolutely just devastated. I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I I, I never got close to suicidal, but uh, I was angry. I was bitter. Um, And I was used to also inside of a fighter squad and a culture of excellence. People had, even if we didn't like people, we had each other's backs. We had integrity. I didn't find that in the private sector. My first, I think nine months out of the Navy, I quit seven jobs. If you, if you didn't have integrity, if you lied to me, if I think you twisted the truth, if you're my boss and all of a sudden you changed the comp plan to benefit you or the company, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Mm-hmm. My, my wife would get home and she, my car would be in the driveway. She'd be like, seriously, again? I'm like, yeah, I'll find something else. Yeah. And like, I was, I was lost. Yeah, I really loved it. I resonated so much when you talked about your um, identity being wrapped up into the external 
you know, because for you, when the uniform came off, so did everything that you had been working towards and everything that you were creating. And, uh, and, and, uh, in my life and when the professional uh, side of my life stopped, uh, before I was prepared and ready as well too, when that uniform came off, so did everything that I had been building. My identity had come off as well too. And here I am a shell of a man going, I don't even know why I'm, I was created then, right? What, like, that was my purpose. And I'm curious to know, you know, as a man of faith and at that time in your life, as you kind of alluded, uh, you know, you had had the foundation of faith in your life, but maybe you didn't have that relationship with God or you didn't really have the depthness that you have now. Um, did were you, you said that you were mad. Were you, were you mad at the world? Were you mad at God? Were you mad at people? Were you mad at yourself? Like, where did you put that, that blame uh, for this accident in your life? Well, my, my first thought is yes, all the above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Option yeah. E. Yeah. Um, but here's what happened in that, because this is, you know, looking back just to see how God works, how faithful he is. Mm-hmm. Josh, I was in a, I, I had to figure out business. I'm like, I was, mis- you know what? You could have been a contender. <laughs> well, thanks, honey. Well, I think you're well on your way. There's no doubt. And I know that uh, I'm sure that you guys, if you guys, I, have you connected back with John by chance? Uh, since you've started to get I down this tried. journey. He's so busy. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, a picture of him holding my book. He actually oh. got a copy of my book and sent me a picture. That's awesome. So I thought that was pretty awesome. So one of these days, yeah. I've actually been able to reconnect with him at a couple conferences. He remembered me. Okay. Um, so um, I don't know what it looks like, but I hope one of these days I can do something with him. That yeah. that would be That would be a dream. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I know that you uh, are good friends with Michael Hyatt. Uh, you had uh, Horst Schultz uh, write the forward to your book. I mean, and, and that was just in my research and just listening to the stuff that you've shared through podcasts. I, I can imagine that list has continued to grow and grow, and, and you've been very fortunate in that opportunities that God has really uh, allowed you to be a part of some really amazing conversations. Um, but I, I'm curious, you know, so you, you go through that stage of life. Uh, you're, you're trying to—you're you're getting some traction— um, and then, then you have the major incident. You have the major accident. Twenty-five surgeries. Um, but I, I, t- I got to tell you, you know that story. I know for you is so much more personal and painful. But you do an amazing job of making it a beautiful story. I mean, really, a an amazing story. I love one of the parts that you talk in there is about how God revealed Himself to you at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, He didn't just uh, He didn't just ascend. You know, he just didn't obviously just like appear, but he revealed himself as if he was, as if he's always here, right? I'd, I'd love for you to maybe take people into that moment uh, of, of, you know, what was going on with your emotions at that moment, and then what that feeling was like uh, when he revealed himself to you. Yeah, so for you guys to just kind of kind of maybe set the stage, I was at a retreat. I was on a horse, the horse bolts and takes off and then they full flat out gallop bucked me off head first into a steel corral fence. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember hitting the fence, Josh, uh, thank goodness, but it crushed the entire left side of my skull. I, I broke my every bone in my skull, except for my jaw and my right cheekbone. I broke my neck in two places, shattered my shoulder. And uh, one of the bars uh, that I hit crushed my whole rib cage. One of the broken ribs punctured my left lung. Um, and I woke up, I remember waking up on the ground into more pain that I could ever describe. It was 
uh, beyond my breaking point. And I could feel people holding me down, my head, my shoulders, my hips. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was screaming and writhing. I was trying to get away from the pain mm -hmm. is all I knew. And you know that saying, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Right. I'm just telling you, it's not it's true. true. <laughs> I was beyond yeah. what I could handle. Like yeah. for real, uh, if I, if I dwell in that place, the memory of that place, like I literally start to get a little, uh, like the cold sweats, like mm -hmm. my brain is like, stop thinking about it. And all of a sudden, one of the guys there saw me just uh, relax so completely. He said, it looked like you were just sinking into the ground. He thought he just watched me die. Cause he, mm -hmm. he could also see how bad this head injury was, but it was, all of a sudden, in that moment, Josh, that I was standing in God's presence. He was standing right next to me. And what was flowing off of him, emanating from him, was pure, unconditional love that was personal. This was between God and John. This wasn't just like mm -hmm. some woo-woo thing. This was like, you know, you think about the most intimate, tender relationship you've ever had with your wife or you know, uh, you know, another human being and like, and, and amp it up like to infinity. And I remember as soon as I felt this touch me, cause it had a physical weight to it. Like when you're at the edge of the beach and waves are like washing over your body, like mm -hmm. it had a physical weight. I could mm -hmm. feel it washing over me. And Josh, as soon as I felt it, my first thought, not knowing how bad my body had just been crushed was that I wasn't worthy of some somebody loving me like that because i had never understood nor experienced unconditional love hmm. like literally without condition i knew in that moment feeling it that anything and everything i'd ever done in the past good bad otherwise was not even relevant mm -hmm. to the love god has for me in the presence hmm. and then as this just kept washing over me this peace this uh, this joy, this, all the pain and panic and fear that I was in was completely taken away. It was gone. Like that's when they saw me relax, that's what it was. They couldn't see the Lord. One of my friends who was sitting there kneeling next to me said he knew immediately that he was on holy ground. He literally wanted to like, uh, take off his boots. Wow. Like he knew something was going on. Um, and then um, in that moment, he spoke to me. It was a voice that came from everywhere and nowhere, and it wasn't to my ears. It was almost like like um, God, you know, in Ephesians 4, it says God is, you know, above us, enthroned in the heavens. He's near us. He's also in us. But I realized it's not just Holy Spirit that's in us. It's, it's the triune. It's everywhere, mm -hmm. right? right? And it's almost like the external God was talking to the God enthroned in me. It was like this energy flowing through my core, it's the coolest experience ever. But then I heard his voice and he said, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Right. So uh, easy one to call your life verse, Romans 8, 28, <laughs> yeah. when that's the first thing God says to you. Yeah. Right. But I got to tell you, that verse has given me so much hope as I've gone through more adversity after the accident than I ever had in my life. And then he said, John, I'm going to heal you. Use my name, John, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And then he said, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now he said it like almost happy. Like it almost sounds kind of stern. Like when you read that back, I didn't, you know, back in Job. Uh -huh. But as soon as he said that, I knew my left eye was permanently blind. Mm -hmm. And then he left. And, you know, it was somebody, somebody afterwards said, okay, like, you know, like, did he pop in? Did he appear? Did he like come down? <laughs> 
and I hadn't thought about it before because he was just there. And then what I realized as I thought about it, it was just, I knew it to be true in my spirit is I know what happened was my whole life. He's been there. He's been with me. He's with every single person listening. He's there with both of us right now, Josh. Mm -hmm. What he did is he just kind of peeled back the curtain and let me see his presence at that moment and then put the curtain back. Mm -hmm. He didn't disappear or go away. He just pulled the curtain back. Mm -hmm. He's still there. Mm -hmm. uh, and knowing that the God of the universe loved and cared about me individually as a person, even though, you know, I've read it in scripture, but I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I qualify. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of why I'm alive is this, this message. Cause under, in a moment, in a moment, understanding the true nature of who father God is, is a loving father who cares. Now, people have asked me after, like, did he cause the accident? I don't know, but guess what? I do know he knew that was going to happen. Yeah. He could have prevented it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you this though, in hindsight, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Had it not happened. I wouldn't have the marriage that I have today. I wouldn't have the relationship with my boys. I wouldn't have having conversations with you yeah. or Horst Schultz or yeah. get to do some of the things I'm doing today. You know what I'd be doing today? I'd be running an insurance firm. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but for me, it, everything did work together for good mm -hmm. for me to step into his will and what, and join him in what he's doing in the world. And he called me to do that work in the marketplace in businesses with leaders whether they're believers or not yeah and uh i i wake up every day like wow like this is awesome yeah one of the things that you talk about is also how you've really put it into your daily disciplines about just consulting with god right that consultation with god um i'm curious to know you know you have that moment um you know i've had a, I, I remember uh, very distinctly one mo one time when i was playing ball uh, I was just, I was laying in bed. My arm was killing me. I was kind of at that point where I was like, do I need to get a surgery? And I just like, I'm doing everything I can. I'm taking anti-inflammatories as if they're candies just to try to get my arm able to pitch every fifth day. And, uh, I remember just laying in bed and praying and just asking God to send the Holy spirit down to just, just to, to heal me for that night, like heal me for that next day. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the physical presence of that. I remember the energy and the waves that went through my body. And the next day I get up, I pitch and I have one of the greatest games that I, I threw. And I know it was, I, I mean, I know it was because of that, right? I'm curious to know now that you've, you experienced it at that time, at that point, uh, have you, first of all, have you ever had that conversation with God in that, in a way where he, you knew that he, you know, he spoke to you in that way or, when you consult with God, what is it like for you now? I've never heard his voice like audibly to my ears from, you know, externally like that. Okay. Um, but as you think about this, like, you know, uh, the people in your life that you really know well, those people you trust that you've really let in, mm -hmm. or you, you can be sitting there on the couch and, um, and something comes up or you, maybe you listen to a voicemail and they hear it and you just a knowing look, you're like, Oh yeah, I, I know what to do. Yeah. Right. It's about building this relationship. And I think a lot of us, when I couldn't hear God's voice, when I couldn't discern, right. It's because like, you know, I hadn't been putting in 
you know, my side of the thing about a marriage, mm-hmm. I think he's given us a marriage to model um, a relationship with him. And as I read the Bible, like for the first time after my accident, it was hard for me to read. It took a long time, but I read the Bible all the way through. Mm. And then I read it through again. And now what I do is I uh, sit down and start reading scripture. Like instead of just like a verse, I read like a chapter and then I go back through it again. And I, um, I just kind of see, you know, where's the Holy Spirit kind of nudging me, mm-hmm. right? As I'm doing this, I'm thinking about what's in front of me, what small step I have to do. Um, and then I just feel like God, uh, the way he works with me is through the word, Josh. It's like, uh, it's almost like he's talking directly to me. Hmm. And, but here's what I've also found too, is like, I, I just get this gut feeling that I just know it's the Holy Spirit. So let's just say you and I are sitting here saying, Hey, how do we collaborate on this? Right. What would, what, what might this look like if we did, did something together and, mm-hmm. and just, I've also, it says, right, he says, bring every thought captive to me in prayer. Usually we, you know, usually we do that on Sundays. Yeah. Now, if you only trained to be a baseball player for an hour, one day a week, right? I'm guessing you probably wouldn't have a very good career, right? Right. (laughs) You'd have a very short one (laughs) at the best, right? (laughs) If I only flew or trained one hour on Sundays and they said, okay, we want you to go fly in combat. Yeah. And what I've actually gotten into a habit of is just honestly in the back of my head, even in the middle of a conversation, even, you know, like when you ask me that question, I'm just praying, Lord, how help me to answer this in a way that yeah. just helps the people listen. You know, who's listening. Don't. Right. Yeah. And I think what it is, it's uh, what I heard is just, you know, tell people to just know, get to know me, know how much I love them. And in doing that, they will love me. Mm-hmm. And build that relationship with me where as you build that relationship, that helps you turn down the noise and pressure of the world so that the voice of God rises above that. And it's not a loud voice, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pretty easy to let life drown out that small, still voice. So finding those times to be quiet, even if it's sitting at our desk in our head, just quietly, just like you did, right? Like, like you can turn to God in desperation I think he's fine with that. Yeah. You can turn to God and say, things are going awesome, but you know, how do I do better? Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm having this difficult conversation with my coworker. I need to confront this. This is not okay. Mm-hmm. Can you create a safe space? Can you put your blessing on this person? Remove any, um, any external forces. Allow us, you be part of this three-way conversation with the Holy Spirit there so that we actually have a really productive conversation. Some of the most difficult conversations I've ever had had with people, when I remember to pray, it's amazing. The outcomes are pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when, when you don't, you just show up trying to do your best. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I kind of went sideways. <laughs> yeah, you don't invite them into the conversation or the situation, right? And, uh, yeah. and, and, it, and I don't, yeah, I would, be, I would agree with you. Like most of the times, those are the ones that I, I, I come back from those conversations going, man, I really screwed that up. <laughs> it could have yeah. got it could have gotten a lot better and and uh, most certainly in a different direction as well. Um you know I'm curious to know, you know you obviously, you know going through that that accident, um just the surgeries had to be tremendously painful to rehab through the mental anguish that you're going through. Um what was it like for your boys uh to go through that? 
um, seeing, you know, dad broken. Um, but also as you talked about, especially on the mental side of it, not the dad that they, that they remember. Yeah, I was not only not the dad they remember, Josh, but um, when you have a, a brain injury, uh, you're, you're, look at this, my son's calling me right now. Like my relationship with my boys is amazing. I, I yeah. get to talk to them all every day. But when you have a brain injury on the front left side where I did, right, your emotional um, control, your, your social filters, mm -hmm. what they call your executive functions are all compromised. And I literally, I'd be in a quiet room like this right now. And if you were having a, com I could have one conversation, but if another conversation came in, my brain would absolutely like rebel. It could not process multiple inputs at all. Hmm. Um, I couldn't go out to a restaurant for years, the, the noise. Um, and so think about this here, you know, my boys, a dad is not who he was, mm -hmm. right. I'm slurring my speech. I don't speak well. I'm, uh, I got all this physical damage, but then they come in, you know, being kids, joking and laughing. And in my brain, I'm like, they know that that gives me, especially any repetitive noise, like bouncing a basketball. I remember my son coming in bouncing a basketball and I immediately have this crushing headache. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was like, this is how it just damaged. I'm like, he's doing that on purpose mm -hmm. because he knows repetitive noises bother me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a calm conversation with him. I start screaming at him and swearing at him and say, why would you do this? You know, this is hurt. Imagine what that does to a young man yeah. when your dad is a complete, I mean, jerk. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the time. And, you know, we were working with a psychologist at the time to help us. who was a neuropsychologist who understood all this to, but it, my wife had come up to me and like trying to get me upstairs into like the bedroom, a quiet room, just, you know, to, be away and and then i'd turn that anger on her hmm. and then as i got better and better what i realized was i'll never forget um this thing about this god gave me a second chance josh but the way he did it was not what i wanted mm -hmm. yeah. in two years in the hospital 20 you know 23 25 surgeries some may i mean the pain shoulder reconstruction facial reconstruction uh craniotomies i mean I had meningitis, pancreatitis. I mean, you, it was not fun. Yeah. And then I got this brain injury. I'm not who I was Yeah. And how do you admit that you're mad at somebody who gave you a second chance at life, but that's where I was and I was afraid to admit it. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, I was angry at God because I was not healed the way I thought I was supposed to be when he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to heal you yeah. and use it for my glory. Right. Yeah. And I saw what was happening to my family and my wife. And I'll never forget. I was listening to Blackaby. Um, he was talking about spiritual strongholds. And he says, listen, in one of the spiritual strongholds is you're, you're angry at God for things that have happened to you in life. I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like, guess what? God already knows. God already knows. And you know what? There's a path forward, but why don't you just go pray? Like he said, one of the things I was, listen to the sermon and it's like, go pray right now and just tell God, yep, this is where I'm at. And I remember doing that and say, God, I've been angry. I'm mad at you. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. And it was just like, I just felt this profound peace, but it was one of the hardest things I'll do. I'll see if I can do this without um, getting too emotional. 
I realized, especially one of my sons who was a little more sensitive, my middle son, this had really affected him, Josh. And I'll never forget. I went up to him um, after I heard this and prayed and I went into his room and I said, buddy, this is what's been going on. And I said, I've been mad. This whole thing's been harder than I thought. I've been mad at God and I have taken that anger out on you. And I asked him if he would forgive me. Hmm. I said, I'm gonna, I'm working on this. Yeah. And we just sat there in his bed. I'll never forget. Like he, we're holding each other. He started weeping. That's what he needed. And we were both sitting there crying. And um, today, he, that, that's the one who just called me. He's, uh, all my boys are my best friends. But I didn't think that from that place of such damaged relationships, there could be restoration. Yeah. Right? But that's my world. Mm-hmm. In God's world, Josh, everything has been restored Yeah, that yeah. was taken away, that was tried to be stolen by the enemy. And maybe that's the example. That's why the accident was allowed to be happened because I, you know, I think when we put your, when we, you know, when you put yourself out there and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm on, I'm playing on God's team. I'm a starter. I'm putting on the armor. I'm stepping into the fight. Yeah. Enemy doesn't want you in the fight. Yeah. And I think what God knew was that if he kept me in the fight, not only was I going, he was going to restore everything in my life, but he knew that he could count on me. He knew that um, I wouldn't quit, right? He knew that I would step up into every situation he put me in, whether I was comfortable or not, because I knew I was stepping into that situation with him, for him versus in the past stepping in for myself or my benefit. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it was, it affected my sons. It was really hard, but going through that has created a, and then I got to tell you, COVID for us was this unbelievable blessing because I had all three of my boys and my grandson and my wife lived in the same house for seven months. It was amazing. We never had a, there was never even an argument. In our family, like every night we cooked together, we went on walks, we played games, we watched movies, we we did Bible study, we did church. It was like it brought our family together in a way that I think is going to be something that is foundational for the rest of all of our lives. You know, I love how you said that, too, because I know um, I know you actually you got covid and it was really hard. On I did. You. It was, it was brutal. really hard on you. I mean, you were on oxygen. Uh, and do you still have some permanent lung damage that you're still living through right now? Uh, well, here, here, here's something else God did, man, is crazy. Cause I was in ICU for a week. I have no pre-existing conditions. I, uh, COVID tore up my lungs, yeah. severe pneumonia, uh, uh, scarring in my lungs. My electrical system on my heart was all jacked up. I was, I had tachycardia. I had, uh, arrhythmia. I had, uh, uh, what's it? AFib. I mean, like it was mm-hmm. bad. Sent and you into like AFib. all my docs, pulmonary cardiology are like, yeah, dude, you're, yeah, quality of life. Sorry. Yeah. You're, you got the crap. One of my doctors said literally to me, he said, dude, he didn't use these words exactly, but he goes, John, <laughs> I just want you to know you got the crap end of the stick when it comes to COVID. Oh my gosh. And I'm still on oxygen now, three months after. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, somebody came up and prayed to me and goes, man, can I share something with you? A lot of people have prayed for me. 
But he goes, man, I, I just, I'm sensing something from the Lord, but the enemy's trying to steal your voice. Hmm. He doesn't want you out there. And can I pray for you? And he prayed for me and he called down the cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit to heal everything. And then he looks at me and he goes, wow, because he's an older guy, been a pastor his whole life, but he goes, wow, that's new. I'm like, what? He goes, well, God said <laughs> so there's so much going on. There's been so many attacks. It's going to take three hours to clear all this up. I'm like, uh, does it work that way? I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, no, like this is a new one. All right. I'm like, okay. Well, dude, three hours later, I take my oxygen off and I don't get lightheaded and dizzy and a headache. I'm like, huh? something's going on here. So I keep it off and I check my pulse, my oximeter. And I'm at 97%. I had not been above 90 on three liters a, a minute of oxygen for three months. Wow. And since that night, just over a month ago, I have not only not needed oxygen, but I went and had a follow-up with my pulmonologist and cardiologist because all this treatment stuff is scheduled. And yeah. they're like, uh, yeah. what's going on here? Like they did the pulmonary test and like, dude, you get like the lungs of a healthy 40-year-old athlete. I'm like, yeah, baby. <laughs> and then I shared them my whole testimony. Like, Doc, here's oh, what happened. My it was a Jewish guy, right? Yeah. And then my cardiologist, the guy who told me I got the crap end of the stick, he goes, nobody. He goes, like, this guy died who wasn't as bad as you. This guy is in a wheelchair. Like, this is where they're at. I'm like, well, so I shared with him. But the power of God, the authority of God in this world. I mean, remember, Jesus said, you know what? You are you are designed to do what I did and even greater. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Just that is hard to even wrap your head around. So what I'm trying to work on, Josh, is get to the do what I did. And then we'll if once we get there, we'll work on the even greater yeah. stuff. Yeah. But what that tells me is there's, I don't know, you know, a lot of people were talking about, you know, biblical times and end times and things like that. So here's what I do know is God is moving big time right now. All the chaos we see in the world, from his perspective, God's smiling. He's like, you know, guys, did it ever occur to you that nothing occurs to me? Yeah, I love that right? line. Like, I love that line that you use right there. It's so, so good. Like, I got a plan. Just yeah. join me. Yeah. And we, guess what? We win. Just, you know, a little, little, yeah. little, uh, <laughs> yeah. little sneak peek yes, here, right? right? A little spoiler. We win. Yeah. So, you know, and I got to tell you, through all this, through COVID, through business ups and downs, through health challenges, even like going into COVID, I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. You know, it was hard for my wife and wow. kids because they didn't know if they'd get to say goodbye to me because it was got right. pretty dicey. Yeah. But I got to share my testimony with, you know, doctors and nurses and cardio techs that I would have never met had I not gotten COVID. And there was some, there was two or three people in that time in the hospital that, I think I needed to talk to, hmm. and they wanted, they, we, we talked about Jesus, mm -hmm. right? So you just show up and you, you're, you're just playing all in on God's team and it's pretty cool what happens. So do you have number the, do you have the second book, uh, getting prepared for, uh, writing or release here? Because these stories, I mean, I, my gosh, man, they've just got to be adding to the, the, the second edition of the book that you've got right now, which is on purpose with purpose. Uh, you know, oh my gosh. So tell us a little bit about that journey of the, of writing the book, by the way. Um, you know, how long did it take? What was it like for you? You're going through all of these things in life. Life is happening, setbacks, failures, but also obviously God moving in your life. Uh, what was that process for you? Well, it was interesting because I was working with a client of mine. He's like, John, 
because uh, I came in to do some work with him. And he's like, okay, today he said, John, it's all about you. I'm like, no, it's not. No, I'm here. To, you got all this stuff. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, dude, you are something with me. I've gotten these results. Like, and I know you have yourself, like you are following a process that I think God gave you that you're not aware of. Hmm. And we spent like two hours on the whiteboard and just kind of flowed out all the work that I, what I've been through. And, and so if, if I kind of connected it, it was a, prior to the accident, I was, I was searching for that purpose. What was that calling? What, what the, what, yeah. the, why, the, how, and it was like eluding me. And I was, I was a little frustrated and I was almost felt like maybe I wasn't worthy to, you know, connect to a real calling or a purpose, mm. or I just wasn't equipped. I didn't have the tools. It was like buried treasure and I couldn't like dig it out mm -hmm. in the, uh, after the accident, what I realized when I understood God's nature, I'm like, okay, I got to continue to not only study who God is. I have to not figure out who John is, not figure out who I am. I have to figure out who God created me to be. That shift was huge. Mm -hmm. It was about identity, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I struggled so hard with the transition out of the military was identity, right? It was yeah. external. Yeah. And as I started closing that gap between the person I saw in the mirror and the person God saw when he looked at me, I started closing that gap and started understanding who God was better then. And I, you know, I think, you know, cause I'm in the leadership world. I think the leadership world does a disservice to us all because listen, I could tuck in underneath you, Josh, look at, look at the work you've done. And I, and you said, okay, John, I will personally mentor you. We're going to be meeting every day. We're going to, we're going to rock and roll. And you could give me your best stuff. But if I'm running it through a flawed person, mm. I got some limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in myself. Mm -hmm. I don't show up well in certain situations or with certain people. These results for folks I was working with. At the end of this like two hour whiteboard session, my buddy Roy said, John, you got to write a book. Mm -hmm. Like this needs to be a book. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, I guess I need to write a book. Yeah. So then I kind of like started <laughs> researching the whole process. I'm like, well, I don't have the money to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> like this kind of adds up, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what, uh, over, it took me about two years cause I had a string, you know, put it together. Um, I had to hire someone to help me write, not a ghostwriter, but I uh, got published by Morgan James, got it out there, did a book launch, met some amazing people who helped John Maxwell do their book launches, wow. Amy and Bryson Davis. I just had dinner with them last night. First time I met in person, everything been virtual. Cause they live down here in Atlanta where I'm at right now. And and I go, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like you just hear the people and what it's meant in their life. I mean, just hundreds if not thousands of emails letters notes have just poured in and so it's i gotta tell you it's it's god help me write it and it's fun to put it out in the world and the next book i don't know what do you think josh maybe resiliency i don't, I don't yeah. know you got any ideas for a, i got a whole bunch of stories and i got some ideas but i, I gotta know brother seriously down yeah i'd almost say like the life of job in a sense of all of those things that you've had to go through right <laughs> luckily you haven't had to lose any of the family any of that but i mean you have just been through a whirlwind but man, i just i love it i love your resilience there's no doubt about it and i love your attitude and how you have used the everything that has been happening in your life for you and that uh and and really discovering like how God's going to use those things, right? Uh, their tests becoming your testimony. And I love mm -hmm. your prayer. One of the things that you've, you've talked about, and I just, uh, I, I know that we've been going for a long time here, so I'll, I'll uh, I want to respect your time and, and wrap up. But um, I love how you say, you know, you're asking now for God to reveal his will, right? And, and, and then include you on how you can change and how you can adopt, uh, uh, adapt to his will for you, right? Um, because a lot of us, 
we go through and and we go through life and we go through our prayer and we just say, okay, God, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, help me, let, let me know what you want me to do and let me know what you know, like, what's going to happen in my life. And, you know, God, I'm praying for this to happen and praying for this to happen. But I love how you have, have uh, really transformed your prayer so that you figure out what God's will is in your life. So maybe just describe that a little bit for us. Yeah, I think it's as I've grown and matured in my, my faith, right? My mm -hmm. initial prayers were like, okay, here's my goal, right? I want to build my coaching business, right? Mm -hmm. um, whatever happens to be. And like, so God, here's my, you know, he says, you give me the desires of my heart. So bless this. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's bigger than that, right? As I understood more, I'm like, okay, God, what's your will for John? Right? Reveal your will, reveal what I need to do to move into all these things that I think are important to me. Right. And, and, but really what God says is, listen, you need to, um, die to yourself and pick up, you know, um, the cross of Christ daily. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I guess maybe what it means is it's something different. And that's actually now that's been, it, this has opened up so much, oh my gosh, growth and opportunity. It's been amazing. And especially in business and it's a little harder in business, but imagine this, you're running a company and you're like, all right, God, could you please reveal to me your will? And, and, and he says he will, it's all in scripture. And what I need to do to join you in that. Hmm. And I got to tell you, some of that stuff has uh, uh, evoked a crisis of faith. Cause I'm like, well, I'm, I don't, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, right. I'm, I need to, go to, you know, get ready to join you to be able to do that. And he's like, no, no, you're my perfect work. You're ready. Mm. And it's challenged me. Um, it has, uh, it has opened up decisions in areas of my business. I never thought, you know, is something we'd pursue in, in my life. And I just, that's my goal every day. It's my, it's a very simple prayer. It's like, God, just show me your will. It could be in, you know, in Josh, in your life. Like, is there something you're doing right now in Josh's life and with the, with the Kalinowski companies and with this team that I could serve you in the work that you're doing in, in through Josh, that's a place of really true servant leadership. And that's a place of truly partnering with the father. Mm -hmm. And then I got to tell you also in that, when you let go, there's amazing place of peace. Cause you know, that, you know what, um, I can, and it, I guess it's for me taken maybe a little while, but to develop that level of trust, like in everything, God's been faithful. I mean, I can't show you a place in my life where I can't look back and say, well, in hindsight, yep, that actually really worked out. All things did work together for good. Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of the process of, of how I prayed, Josh. And I love, I love where God's led me today. Well, Man, I tell you, John, this has been awesome. And I, I like it's kind of one of those things where I don't want to end. We could go, I, I could do like a Joe Rogan podcast here for like three hours with you. Uh, but I, <laughs> I most certainly don't want to take advantage of this time that you've given to myself and to our uh, to the people that are listening to this. Um, listen, you've got a fantastic podcast called Eternal Leadership. Um, you've had some amazing guests. I love one of my favorite interviews that you did was with Ken Harrison. And, uh, I just, I really love, cause a lot of what he was like, what you've been talking about is when obviously his been his journey as well too. And, uh, I, I really love that, uh, the point when he had point when he had the conversation with God 
and then the thing that was really impactful, in fact, we were just having dinner with some really close friends. And I was, I was bringing up that conversation, your podcast with Ken and, and, um, just how God wasn't going to, even though he revealed his, he revealed this calling, uh, in Ken's life, he still wasn't going to use him for four years. And just that patience to be able to go through that time. Um, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this are leaders and entrepreneurs, and they've, you know, they're just in that daily grind and they're, they're just trying to get momentum going forward. And it just feels like it's an inch at a time. And then there's a, maybe a foot or two step backwards, and then they're just trying to inch it up again. Uh, what would you say to them? Obviously with having been in your shoes and your continued walk and your continued journey, uh, what would you say to them to, just to give them some hope, just to give them a little bit of inspiration, maybe give them a little bit deeper uh, faith, not only in themselves, of course, but also in faith in something even greater, uh, which, which is that foundation and that relationship with God. Yeah, the thing that comes to mind as you ask that question, Josh, is small steps. I, I think the reason I've been able to crawl up from literally working eight or nine hours a week coming out of severe heterogy and build a company now that's all over the world mm -hmm. um, and have a staff and a team. This is now seven years later. It's just been, you know, small, you know, great things start with small beginnings. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think knowing that, you know, God has a plan and that my prayer, honestly, this whole time, every day is God just revealed to me, Hey, what is the one thing I need to focus on today? What is that small step I need to work on today? Mm -hmm. um, God is a huge partner in business. Let's say you're, you're struggling with your team doing their best work. You've, you've had some turnover. You don't know how to hire. You haven't hired maybe some of the best players and you're yeah. like, okay, I got to get that figured out. Yeah. Well, there's nobody better at every single one of those areas than the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think if you trust him and just listen and create that space to just say, what is those small things I need to focus on? For me in the beginning is I had to focus on a lot of things about who I was. And as I became a little bit better, I became closer to the person I was made to be that best version of myself. What I found, Josh, is then when I was, I wasn't the guru. I'm, I'm not the self-development expert but I've made a lot of progress and guess what? I can help somebody else maybe make a small step and become a little bit better version of themselves. Um, I can challenge somebody boldly, uh, but with a loving heart, mm -hmm. hold people accountable differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing too is be in prayer, focus on those small steps yeah. and just and importantly also though, be in community. Like, you know, you guys are here, you're part of Josh's community, like getting to know people that are part of a community who are like-minded and you have other counselors to go to who understand it from a biblical perspective, who are in relationship with the Lord and say, okay, I got to make this big decision. Mm -hmm. Right. One of my clients just, or one of my good friends is in my bus. is like, I got to make a decision. Do I sell my company? I just got this offer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this even is in alignment. Yeah. Another one of my friends, in, you know, called me and says, I don't know if I can keep this business unit going. I might have to shut it down and lay off 30 people. Mm. I mean, these are real decisions that yeah. we have to make. Yeah. God's in them, but I also think he also answers our prayers oftentimes through other people. Mm -hmm. Right? 
and or you either get a confirmation or you get an idea that God couldn't get to you directly. So, he, you know, he might put it in your head through your friend, Bob, and like yeah. Bob's like, John, have you thought of this? And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. And thought of that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Got to pray about that one. Yeah. So the counsel of others, God's, man. God's there constantly. He's on your side and yeah. you got to surround yourself. So good. So good, my man. Well, I really appreciate you. I know that, uh, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it, it was a whim to, to reach out and, and to uh, try to get in contact with you. And uh, I'm so, so appreciative because one of the things you said on that podcast uh, with, uh, um, with Carrie was uh, talking about how you had started to get mentors in your life and how you had just, you just started reaching out. And you just made those calls and you made those emails. And so it really inspired me to do the same. So uh, thank you not only for saying that, but also uh, for being uh, a, a man of your word as well, where you not only uh, can talk about it, but you live it out. And the reason why you're on this podcast today is because of, of that grace that you've given me and, that, and the, the ability to take time out of your day uh, to, to be here with our audience. So I just want to tell you, I really appreciate it. Uh, I know we got a few, uh, some future things going on with, um, with you and our leadership team as well. And I'm really excited about having you, uh, impact them as much as you have not only impacted myself, but our audience as of right now. So, uh, thanks brother for uh, being on here and taking the time. I know you're busy. I know you got baseball with your son going on and, uh, it just, it means, it means the world to me for you to do this. So thank you. Well, thank you. It means the world that you reached out. Yeah. Like, I, I've loved getting to know you. I, I see your heart, what you're doing in the world, how you're equipping uh, people, your heart for, you know, making a kingdom impact. And you, like, dude, like the more I get to know you, like I get, like, I get more ex inspired and fired up. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Like I love when God connects me with other like-minded, you know, uh, you know, men just like yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what just keeps me fired up. So I can't wait till we get to meet in person. Yeah that's going to be a good day. And then we'll, you know what, we'll just keep talking and say, you know, there's, there's a reason that God, you know, had you, you know, that we heard each other through a podcast and yeah. connected and talked and, and I'm glad I canceled on you a couple of times because eh, of COVID <laughs> and once because I was a knucklehead, but thanks for giving me the grace. Uh. <laughs> to finally be able to get back to you and get on the microphone. Oh man, persistence, my man. Well, and it's just one of those things, you know, when you, uh, one of the things I've learned over the years to do uh, so much better is when you feel that nudge, right? You, when you feel that mm -hmm. nudge to do something, uh, especially when you're, in, when you're walking with the Lord, it's that Holy Spirit just nudging you to do that, to nudging you to say yes, nudging you to make that call. And I've just been learning how to say yes more to those nudges and really give mm -hmm. credence to the fact that I'm feeling that way for a reason. And I got to answer the call of that. So, uh, it really, truly is, uh, I mean, God has really put uh, you in my life and, and, uh, we'll see what, uh, what comes from it. And I'm, I'm really excited. So once again, I really appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for taking this time. My pleasure. Uh, have a great one, Joss and, uh, everybody out there just keep all right, guys, man, we just finished that episode, and I know that you're probably looking at, holy cow, that was the fastest hour that I've ever spent listening to uh, one of uh, Josh's podcasts here. But I tell you, man, we could have kept on going for hours, and uh, we just, uh, for out of, out of respect for him, uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, we allowed him to get back to the, the, uh, the busyness of his schedule and other things that were going on in his life. Uh, you know, as we kind of talked about, we, he's got a book called On Purpose with Purpose. Highly, highly, highly recommend that book. And then also, if you're looking for another great podcast, Eternal Leadership is his podcast, Eternal Leadership. Uh, you can find uh, some amazing 
Once again, some amazing interviews. Uh, I love the interview with Ken Harrison, and I love this. He just did one with Dave Alpern, uh, which is uh, he's the president of Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I got to tell you, John is just, he has met some amazing people in his life, and he continues to do that. And I know that God just continues to work in his his life. As much as he is blessed, and he will say, he will be the first one to tell you that he's blessed, uh, you know, he's gone through a tremendous amount of challenges. And so I feel like he's earned every opportunity that uh, God has given him. So uh, I recommend you guys, you know somebody in your life. The only admission that we have for this is that you just pay this forward and allow somebody else to hear uh, a great interview uh, and uh, somebody that has made a great impact in, in so many people's lives already. But we know that he's He's, uh, he's bound and set to, to do even greater things. So uh, you guys appreciate you. Love you. Thanks so much for being on the, the show with us today.